Welcome back. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Cadet Drake, and I'm here with retired Lieutenant Colonel Mr. Haynes. He is our uh, member of our staff here, and we're going to be asking him some questions today. I know Mr. Haynes pretty well, and um, we have a good relationship, and I like going back and forth with him at the office and talking and uh, having a good time. So this should be a really good podcast. Probably better than me and Cadet Okada sitting here talking about stocks. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's all we have for the welcome back message. Um, we just want to give you a quick note. We didn't have a podcast last week, obviously, because of the storm. Um, our goal was to have one every week of the semester that we're here, but obviously we couldn't do that. So uh, bear with us. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it for the intro. Um, I've introduced Mr. Haynes. Uh, if you have any words uh, you want to in introduce yourself, you can do yeah, that. No, I mean, you pretty much said it. I've spent uh, 27 years in the Air Force. Uh, nine of it is an enlisted member, uh, jet engine mechanic, and as a flight engineer, and then uh, the rest of my career is um, many different facets, but uh, <laughs> mostly as a 21 Alpha. So if anybody, uh, I know the two people got selected to be maintenance officers, if you want to come by and see me and talk, we can talk. Um, I think you probably got one of the better AFSCs, and congratulations. Nice. Go awesome. Ahead. Sweet. Yeah, we got a lot of experience here on both sides. So just to kick it off for the first question, I want to know, like, what do you think the most important thing you learned um, in the Air Force as an officer was? It can be about, you know, people in general or just like something about one of your jobs, whatever you or just an overall lesson as an officer. I think um, it, there's many different facets of being um, an officer. And as, as you grow and you, you get into these different positions, you learn a lot more different things. I mean, when you're young, uh, you're lieutenant, you're captain, you're learning your job and what you have to do and, and, and ways to meet the missions and the goals. But when you become a commander, it's all about people. Um, and when you, when you get into those positions, you understand the different facets and the different uh, cultures and different things of all the people that are in your, uh, under your command. And um, I think being able to adapt and understand those and, and treat um, every situation different you know they try to tell you when you go to command school that you have to set a, a, a standard in a, across the board but you can't do that because of people the, the way that people um, are different so you have to understand those things and apply you know similar standards but there are cases where the things are different so you have to adjust so I think um, one of the things you learn as an officer is how to deal with people Nice. That's a good skill to have. <laughs> Definitely. All right. And then as opposed to that, what do you what do you think you would be more focused enlisted? Like what did you learn more in as an enlisted uh, The Air biggest Force? thing that I learned when I was enlisted was this. Um, I joined this the Air Force because I did not want to go to school. Okay. I hated school. I was not a good student in high school. I was awful. Uh, I graduated with a 2.0, 565th out of 567. <laughs> Um, the last thing I wanted to do was go to school. So I decided I was going to join the Air Force. Well, guess what? What's the first thing they send you to? Basic training, which is what? School. <laughs> After that, true. you go to? More school. School. <laughs> and then when you get to your first duty assignment, you get enrolled into OJT on job training. Plus, they give you CDCs, which is school. school. <laughs> and then after you get that, they send you to FTD, which is field training detachment. You're sitting in school. Um, so really quick I learned that your entire life is going to be spent going to school so you better get used to it um, 
So um, I think uh, the biggest thing you can take away from, from the enlisted side is that school is very important, uh, especially in the military, you're gonna have to go. Um, I think understanding how to follow orders and when to question orders, uh, you always do it first and then question the after. Um, learning how to be a follower, I was not a very good airman when I first came in. Um, I was a good mechanic, but I was not a good airman. It took a master sergeant to pull me under his wing and show me how to be a good um, airman. Uh, keep me, you know, I had my boots shine whenever I saw him. I had my hair cut whenever I saw him. I was tip top. And not because I was scared of him. It was because I didn't want to disappoint him. He showed me how to do it, because, not told me how to do it. Uh, I wanted to emulate him. Um, and I think that's the best way that you can be a leader is to... Uh, not be one of those persons do as I say, it's do as I do. Um, and uh, he was a young, young master sergeant. <laughs> he, uh, I think he was 26 and I was 20, oh, wow. 19 or 20. So you must have been able yeah, to relate was, with him. He was crazy. Huh. He, was, he was crazy insane. He made chief in 13 years. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And he got out of 20. Yeah. Yeah. But he got to see me as a, uh, a captain before uh, he was out. So he was uh, Wilkins, Chief Wilkins. He was awesome. Nice. That's an experience not a lot of people have, like having a master sergeant that's only, you said, what, four, four or five years? Yeah, he was six, five, six years older than me. So, wow, I can't even imagine. I was so a you guys, senior airman or a book sergeant at that time. So you're probably listening to, like, you know, the same, kind of the same music, into the same oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah, wild. He was, he was great. Usually when I think of master sergeant, I think, like, a lot of a much older person well, we than myself. Well, we had you know, older. But yeah, he was, for sure. He, he came and ran the shop. He was 26 years old. He was Wow, that's awesome. Cool. So yeah, so it sounds like more getting squared away as, a, as an enlisted airman. I can identify with that. Obviously not enlisted, but when I first came to the debt, I wasn't as locked on. I was, uh, you know, everyone, you know, everyone kind of comes in with a little bit of a, oh, I can do this myself attitude. And uh, yeah, some people learn sooner than others that you can't. And uh, it took me a little bit longer, but I'm glad I did. And I definitely relate with what you're saying, uh, for sure. Well, from I, I will tell, tell you this. You find somebody that you can relate to who is a success, and you ask them how to be successful. That's the easiest way to get something done. Um, there's a lot of people who have too much pride who don't want to do that, uh, but they usually end up lagging behind. Uh, why not tap into the resource that's right there in front of you? Um, I also had the exact opposite. I had a staff sergeant who was a 20-year staff sergeant who was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. Um, and he used to come over to the house it was just terrible. He, was just, he, he ended up retiring as a staff sergeant in 20 years. Not a very, he wasn't a very good mechanic, he wasn't a very good airman. Uh, and then I got, I got the fortunate, uh, uh, was fortunate to meet uh, Master Sergeant Wilkins. That's awesome. Well, shout out to Master Sergeant Wilkins. <laughs> cool. All right. And then to wrap that segment up, how do they two differ? Like, what is, I mean, you kind of already said people is officer and then, like, performance it kind of is, is enlisted, it, but how do you separate them? It has to do with them? responsibility. Your areas of responsibility are different. Um, there is no real, di in my opinion, there is no real difference between a commissioned officer and, a, um, and an NCO, um, except for the commission and the, and the level of responsibility. Um, your NCOs, uh, you're, even as a squadron commander, you're going to be working alongside NCOs that make your life either easy or very difficult. And your first sergeant is the is the first line. Um, 
those guys are amazing and they're just as good at what you at, at your job um, than you are at your job and um, uh, it's the level it's it's the level of responsibility that, that you have to con understand as a lieutenant you do not out, outrank a chief now on paper and on the ranks of scale yeah sure but that guy has so much more knowledge than you has so much more experience than you if you think that you're going to go in and tell a chief master or senior master mm -hmm. or master mm -hmm. how it is in the air force when you've been in for two years <laughs> no, not. stop it don't, sure. don't even don't even try it um, in most cases i'm going to tell you this uh, for new guys going on you're going to find that most of your ncos have more education than a lot of them have master's degrees. Wow. A lot of them have doctorates. Huh. I had a master sergeant that was a, um, I had a master sergeant that was a professor at uh, Embry Riddle uh, Aeronautical College, and he had a doctorate in aviation. What? Yeah. I and never. He was teaching. He was teaching my captains and my majors at their master's program. I can't even wrap my head around that. I thought most of the time they're like on boots on the ground, you know, like uh, they really like to work on their craft. It's like military training and things like that. But well, it, it does, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the same education or even higher education than you do. Uh, when I first came in, I had a um, uh, gen engine mechanic who had an engineering degree, an electrical engineering degree, and came enlisted, and I asked him, why are you doing what He said, that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to work on stuff. He wanted stuff to be hands-on. Oh, wow. And he didn't want to manage people until later on. So. You know, there's different choices and different things and different. there's different personalities and different uh, things for people. And what might be right for you is not right for somebody else. That's why diversity works, especially in the Air Force. Yeah, for sure. Because there are certain jobs that I would never want. There's certain jobs that you might never want. Mm -hmm. But there's people that are willing to do those jobs and they're happy doing those. Awesome. That's great. I think we had a great start to the, the podcast. That's awesome. That's a lot of wisdom we got here. So uh, definitely take that uh, advice and that knowledge that we got and apply that. Um, we kind of have that dichotomy here. Like, obviously, we're all training to be officers, but, uh, you know, if you were to draw the separation, POC are kind of more like the officer and, and the, you know, more hands, you have more boots on the ground and hands-on work for the GMC. They're learning things. They're going through training. So maybe uh, GMC and POC alike can take that information and you can apply it to your uh, everyday life as a cadet. Nice. All right. Well, I know I talk a lot about this a lot with you, but what are some lesser known AFSCs that you know of or that you are interested in or would recommend? We have GMC ask us all the time, like, what are some lesser known AFSCs? Because there's a, quite a few that, you know, people don't really know about. Well, uh, like I said, I think it, it all depends on your personal wants and your personal interests. But uh, special tactics is one. Uh, combat weather, nobody's ever heard of that. Combat uh, weather, okay. And then people don't realize that um, band. You oh, can actually yeah, come yeah, in and play that. an instrument being uh, in the band. Enlisted people are mostly in the band playing the instruments, but um, the conductor is an officer, and so uh, that's, you know, uh, chaplains is another one. You know, you, oh, you, yeah. don't, you don't really think about chaplains, but chaplains are huge in the Air Force, especially for squadron commanders. Um, we, use, we utilize them all the time. One of the things that chaplains provide squadron commanders, and they provide um, the people that are under you, uh, is if you go talk to a chaplain, anything that you tell that chaplain is confidential. He doesn't have to say anything about it. 
We have lessons about that in our yeah. AS class, they yep. tell you. And, and I think that is a great thing. When you go see somebody else in, in, in the service, that's not necessarily true. Mm. There's some HIPAA laws, but you know, there's some things that, if you say something to somebody, there are things that they have, have to, to report. Do. Procedurally, right. Right. Yeah. right. And if you go talk to the chaplain, you just want to get something off the chest, he is not obligated to tell you anything. So, um, There's some also, there's some um, special duties as an officer that you need to look out for. Uh, executive officer, uh, above wing level, it's a 97 echo. Oh, wow. Uh, you, most of the time, you don't volunteer for those jobs. You get picked for hmm. those jobs. Gotcha. Uh, and they'll pull you up and you'll, you know, it's above, hit the wing or above. Uh, for 97 and aide camps what is that um office general officers or flag officers are authorized i think three and four stars are authorized a special assistant oh okay it's and okay he takes care of everything gotcha. he takes care of his uniform he goes dry cleaning he does everything for that hotel room yes. everything scheduling his executive officer doesn't do huh. he even goes and cooks at the house sometimes mm -hmm. and oversees the cook mm -hmm. I mean, he helps the, the wife and with planning parties and all that kind of stuff and they wear a white rope, and you'll see them. And huh. um, yeah, that's really cool. I knew that was a position in the army. I grew up with the, in an army family. I know that was. I think it's called something else, but uh, yeah, that's a very. I, if it's the same way as the army, as I know that it's it's very selective. You get like one person out of every class, graduating class or whatever, and, and it's a it's a lesser known job. So yeah, that's really interesting. That's good to know. Okay. Uh, well, that being said, like, why do you think people aren't aware of most of these AFSCs? Well, it has nothing to do with being aware of it, but most of the people that we have in ROTC have never even been around the military. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the reasons. But uh, I think if you if you do your research before you, you know, everybody knows what a pilot does. Everybody mm -hmm. knows what maintenance does. Um, those are the most you know known. But you know, sixty two acquisitions, nobody knows what that is. Mm -hmm. Contracting, nobody knows really what the big financial management's another one. Uh, FSS officers, those are another one that you know. Just do your research. Go and find out. And the best thing you can do is go shadow somebody. If you know somebody, uh, go go spend a day with them. See what their life is like. See if you like the job. Definitely. If you want to go be a special operator, my, I, I'd go down to the school and start asking questions. You know, I worked through the chain of command before I just showed up there. But um, if you know somebody and, and you can get down there and talk to somebody, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, people don't realize that, like, if you come uh, it correctly through the chain of command and politely and with customs and courtesies how you should, like, a lot of people are pretty open to, you know, we just were talking to you. We talked to you for, like, 10 minutes before this, and you were like, oh, hey, by the way, I know a guy who might be able to come do the podcast. Um, especially in leadership positions and, like, the officer world, officers are, like, a lot of time very nice and open to just, you know, come and teach you about what they do, especially if they like it, right? Well, and that's another thing you got to understand. Those generals that everybody's scared of, they were once lieutenants too. For sure. Okay? They've gone through, so it's not, the people that, when you're on active duty, let me just tell you this, when you're on active duty, the people that you have to worry about are not the generals. The generals are usually the nicest people on the face of the planet. <laughs> it's lieutenant colonels and colonels that work for those generals on the staffs that you gotta worry about. Oh, okay, I see. Huh, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, usually people are more scared of the generals and all that good stuff, but yeah, you're right. I mean. It's a lot of politics and things like that as you go up in the ranks. So I mean, you probably wouldn't get too far if people if you're not a people person, right? And if you're not uh, if you don't know how to interact with people, so that's cool. All right, 
So, I mean, what are specifically non-rated? That was the other question that we had for this category. Like, what are two or three non-rated FSCs that you would recommend for cadets that are struggling to find a job? Like, I'm a 200. I'm about to go to field training. I have. I don't want to go rated or I can't. I don't want to do security forces. I don't want to do force support. Like, what are a couple? Like, I know you always mention to me. Well, I, will say, <laughs> I, will, I will say this. Okay, security forces. There are reasons. You find out what the reasons are you don't want to be a security forces. Okay. okay. Not find just, out the reasons why you don't want to be an FSC. Don't just say, I don't want to do it. Right. Okay. Don't just say that. Go find out. Okay. Maybe it's something that you really Prove do yourself like. wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, and I will tell you this. Usually, okay, and this is, you'll find this out. If somebody is pushing an AFSC, really hard um, and you don't care about another AFSC I would really be skeptical about that. Ah, okay. <laughs> Go find out what that one they're not talking about is because that might be a hidden gem that nobody wants you to, to know about. Ah, okay, got okay. you. Yeah. Um, I, for me personally, I think 21 alphas get a bad rap. Uh, that's maintenance. The, yes, they work hard. Yes, they work long hours. But there's some benefits to being in maintenance, and one of the very first ones is you will lead from day one. You will be in charge of a, a group of people um, from day one. Um, you get to command at the major level and the lieutenant oh, wow. colonel level. Okay. Um, a lot of the other AFSCs, you're not going to be able to do that as a major. It's going to be lieutenant colonel before you ever see squadron command. Understood. Um, in my opinion, the job of the Air Force is to fly, fight, and win, correct? That's yes. the mission. That's what we teach everybody. Yes, sir. Uh, if you're not flying the airplane, you might as well be fixing it because everything else is just supporting it. Understood. And without airplanes, there is no job. Pilots have no job. Okay, so if you want to be the lineman on a football team and, and be a starting lineman on a football team, go be maintenance. It's a big, it's a very important job, and people uh, don't realize. We've had a few maintenance officers graduate, so um, if you're really interested and you want to get into it, then uh, shoot one of us a message on Slack uh, on the PA team, and we can get you in touch with some actual commissioned officers who, you know, when I was 100, I know that we had a couple uh, maintenance officers commissioned. So. Well, maintenance officers also have, you know what weapons school is for um, pilots, right? Yes. Those guys, they're patch wearers, that's what they call them, and they're the brainiacs, and they go and do... You know the planning, and they do you know help write uh, doctrine. They're just they're they're super wicked smart. Huh. Okay, and if you get selected for that, you're in the top ten percent at least. Okay. Well, the maintenance has the same thing. Okay. We have our own weapons school at Nellis. Um, oh wow. And if you get selected for that, it's a very difficult school. Um, there's really. If, I'll just say this. If you get through that school, you, you deserve to wear the patch. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't even know that. What does it look like? What's a patch? It's very similar to the patch that the, um, the pilots wear. It's oh, wow. gray patch. Huh. Yeah. That's Instead cool. Instead of saying air weapons school, it says logistics, I think. So, okay. So that's like a respect thing in the maintenance world. Like you yep. see that, you're like, oh, it's kind of like a ranger tab for the Army. And yep. like, oh, like yep. that guy really put in a lot of yep. work. And that girl really put in a lot of You get to go do things because uh, they're special coded jobs for maintainers with those patches so they'll get to go do joint jobs before somebody that doesn't have that oh, or somebody you know go work chaos or go work you know those type of jobs and in, in, uh, in planning and and in uh, into intel so uh, when you get that it opens up a lot of doors that's awesome cool okay 
Well, that was a good little discussion on AFSCs. I hope that answered y'all's questions. I know we've had someone waiting for an answer on that, and we haven't been able to get to it because we haven't had anyone with like your experience on here in regards to some non-rated AFSCs and things like that. So that's really good. But hit us up if you have more questions about that, and maybe if you have a question or you had an idea that popped up in your head, remember you can we'll send out a little Google form and you can ask us anything. Um, so. I guess we'll get into some personal stuff. Uh, I'm in your office quite a bit, turning my flight hours in and things like that. Um, I saw you had a plaque that says, don't sugarcoat it, tell me how it is. And it's one of those plaques that, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just one of those uh, memorabilia type things that you get after you finish command or you finish a leadership position at your unit and you go somewhere else, right? So where did that come from? Um, I was uh, head of QA, which is quality assurance. Okay. Uh, and we make sure that all the all the people on the flight line and in the back shops are doing their maintenance correctly. And we do inspections and spot inspections and those kind of things. And when my inspectors used to come in and they'd find stuff, um, I did not like to spend a lot of time discussing you know, nice <laughs> things. Just tell me what you need to tell me. Don't build the barn to tell me about the door. Let's just tell me about the door and let's get it fixed and get done with it. So that's where, and they looked. So somebody would used to come in and say, Hey, uh, sir, I got some bad. I said, stop sugarcoating this. Yeah. Just tell me what it is we need to know, and let's get down to business. For sure. So, yeah. Why do you think that's important in the military? Like, that's definitely important in a lot of different jobs. Now, when it comes to PA, like our job, we might, we're the opposite, yeah, it's right? It's different. Yeah, you have to be a little bit um, nicer, I think, mm -hmm. and, and approach things a little bit different. And, and, and when you get up into, into the ranks and dealing with different situations, yes. But when you're on a day-to-day -day basis of, of Doing a business that if you don't do your business right, you can kill people. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. You, you need to just take the approach of let's, you know, the worst thing a maintenance officer can do is not make a decision. Understood. That's the worst thing you can do. It's not making the wrong decision. I'd rather somebody make the wrong decision than no decision at all. So when they come to you, have a solution. Anybody, in, in, I don't care what AFSC it is. If you have a problem, don't ever come to me with a problem without having a proposed solution. You should have. May, um, operators and maintainers always have to have at least three different co-ops. You know what a co is? Yes, sir. Okay. So when you come to somebody with a problem, don't expect the answer to come from them. You give them three opportunities and let them evaluate. They might have something else, um, but it shows that at least you looked at it before coming to them to solve your problem and that's huge uh, especially even in ROTC if you can get in that habit uh, that'll help you out a lot especially as GMC you know I'm sure y'all have had a, a multiple situations this semester as fly, as um, flight members or as you know a certain position uh, like say your safety officer for your flight if there's something that you have an idea about and you think it could be fixed or done better you know there's a chance that we're just doing something away because it's worked you know and that's what's worked over time but if you think you can fix something then heck you know write up a couple of codes get a memo together and, and send it up and see what you can do and, and I will say this too you know the solutions never really come from the top they always come from the bottom and they come they go up um, a prime example is this and it has nothing to do with rank and experience and all that other stuff sometimes um, when I was in POW camp uh, training in Washington we had a captain who was in charge of our, our flight, mm -hmm. okay, and he did not do very well. He lost it and they had to take him away because he, he couldn't handle it, even though it was just training. The person that stood up was a one striker female, and she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing, and that's my point. Uh, different personalities, different things, react to different situations differently. Utilize those, those talents when they arise, no matter what 
uh, rank they are. Just because you have a master sergeant who's a master sergeant, maybe he shouldn't be driving the truck. Maybe he should not be the guy that's the pro super and running the flight line. If you've got a very smart staff sergeant who's on the, the, the way up and you know that they can do that job, let them drive the truck. Yeah, and that benefits everybody, take, right? Let him take the responsibility and see yeah. me handle it. And so most of the time, you're going to find out that they do a better job. And that'll benefit them to give them more experience, and it'll also benefit the team. It's helping everyone else out if, you right. know, someone with a certain experience or skills right. in a certain area can, can, can show their skill. And it could even probably make people more, um, how do you say, uh, efficient, right? Like, right. you know, like if I'm part, sitting around part, with nothing to do, I, I always say I, I do better when I'm busy. In, in a military environment. I like having something to do. I like having work, you know? So, and we've seen that happen, and I'm sure you all have seen it as GMC. Like, there could be someone who's a superstar weeks one through six, and then now the flight commander is like, okay, well, I'm not going to test them as much, or I'm going to focus on, you know, uh, testing other people and giving other people opportunities, and they kind of just fade to the background. So that's definitely uh, good is to, I would say, keep people involved and keep everyone a part of the team. Right. But I had a... Uh, we actually have, and I'm taking a criminal justice management course right now because I'm a senior, I'm about to graduate. It's like the last course you take. And it's so funny. It's just all like leadership and it's just all these things I've already learned in ROTC. You know, I just had to write an essay about um, uh, why we should try to, not necessarily move away, but why we should look at top-down management styles like in the corporate world and in criminal justice organizations and really focus on letting the people at the bottom come up with solutions to things and be active or at least that's what i said you know everything you just said is literally what i typed up you know so that's really cool and i think by the end of your time here in rtc if you are younger or if you just started the program you'll definitely pick up on that and well, you gotta remember you know, that kind I, of thing. I think that's another thing that, that people don't understand what real leadership is okay anybody can be a leader all right but and the good leaders are the people that do the thing that's right even though it might not be the popular answer, okay? Um, and when you are, prime example, let's say you have that staff sergeant that did a great job in a master sergeant position, right? And it comes time for him to leave and you're gonna write him uh, an MSM because the position warrants an MSM, right? So you send it up, it comes back and it's downgraded because he's a staff sergeant, not because of the job he did, but because of his rank. What do you do as his leader? You just go, okay, sign it, or you fight for him. Fight for him, for sure. Fight for him. Yeah. Now, are you going to win? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you win. But the point of the matter is that you went for your to bat for that guy because he deserved it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and depending on who, how good of a, an argument you make and how well you write a package will determine if he gets that MSM or not. But it, don't don't just go, yeah, well, I need a staff sergeant. Yeah, yeah. sadly, yeah, that happens. And I think a lot of times some people, uh, just based on their personality as a person, sometimes it can be like, okay, like step way back, you know. There's definitely ways to, I don't, I don't want to say challenge, but like there's definitely ways to, you know, give suggestions to leadership and things like that um, if you don't think something is right or well, someone's yeah, being done un, exactly. unfairly. You know, I, used to tell, I used to tell the people when I was running the squadron, they'd come up to me and they, I said, you have one card. And if you pull that card, that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, which means if this is your guy, and you want him to get this, I get it. But you can't have this. You can't have eight number ones. Mm -hmm. You can only have one number. Definitely. One. Right. So make sure when you do those things, you can't do it for everybody. But those people who rise to the top, you have to take care of them. And and, and you you can't just 
give up on. You have to make sure that they get what they've earned. Not, you're not giving them anything. You're just giving, you're making sure they get what they deserve. That's a huge part of being a good leader. That's a huge part of being a good leader, for sure. Like, uh, that that's even a thing. We PA team, we've been real busy with things and doing podcasts and stuff, and we try to make sure that our, everyone on our team gets, you know, recognition when they do things right and things of that nature because you don't want someone to be, you know, behind the scenes, like we have Cadet Okada. I mention him usually at least twice a podcast. He's behind the scenes, you know, in a sweatshirt and jeans right now doing his thing because he doesn't have to be on here today, but he's a huge part of it. So definitely, like, we're just recognizing people who, um, you know, may not be stand out all the time because of their position or their job or just their personality, and you got to definitely recognize them and make sure that, you know, they know they're important to the team. Because I know I want that as a you know well, if I had a quiet well, as an officer you should not be worried about getting uh, recognition for yourself. Hundred percent, it's for your people. Should be, that should be that should never cross your mind. Always for but your people. For your people and for your unit. And if and if your unit is doing well and your people are happy, you're a success. It doesn't matter what kind of award you get. Definitely. Um, the best leaders don't care about that. They don't have an interest in it. They have the, the interest of the well-being of their people yes. and the mission. And when you make it about yourself, it's usually when you uh, screwed but, something up. Well, it's not only that. The minute you make it about yourself, the people that work for you can see it. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and you just got to you got to be able to uh, put your the good things that happen on your people under you, and you got to be able to accept it when something bad happens. It's you. You know, you're the leader. You're in charge. So that's that's what I meant by making it about yourself. Yep. You know. So you definitely got to take responsibility when things go wrong and, you know, you don't want to be throwing people under the bus, things like that. Yeah, but in the same breath, you have to make a balance because the only person well, for sure. to take care of you is yourself. your career is your career. 100%. Right. That's You tell me that so many times. <laughs> I'm talking to Mr. Haynes a lot about a uh, rated board and getting stuff done and just, uh, you know, next steps in your career and you all will do the same thing as you become 400s and you get ready to get out of here and that's something you tell me a lot is, you know, you got to make – you gotta take care of yourself and you have to make sure you give yourself opportunities and you have to make sure that you are giving yourself all of the information about something. Right. And you, you know and you have to make sure that you're prepared when those opportunities arise. If yep. if something if, if something requires a master's degree and you don't have one, that's not on them, that's on you. Hundred percent. Awesome. So all right, so continuing with the personal stuff. What else? We have some good questions here. I think some of them are coming in from the audience. I'm just checking out the document right now. What do you, uh, have you been deployed before? <laughs> Many times. <laughs> oh, nice. See, that's something I haven't even, I talk to you quite often. I haven't even really got to talk to you about any deployment. So do you, okay, so let's do this. So do you have a funny story and then like, a, or like a cool story, serious story, you know, things you've seen? Well, let's start off with, uh, we'll start off with something serious. So is there anything? So what is the most like serious like wow moment or like you know, I'm in the military like this is real. What do you I, have? I will tell you this. One of the things that really impressed me the most is when I was deployed in Qatar, and uh, we were I was doing some work for the Pentagon, and we were collecting data, and we were interviewing a bunch of TACPs that were coming in from the field, and those guys are young. Um, they were you know they're young, your age and, and younger. And they're doing some things that are hard to do. Let's just say that, okay? And uh, they have full bird colonels that listen to them, uh, calling in airstrikes and doing, you know, do, doing some really magnificent things. And the attitudes and the maturity level of those kids was above reproach. Wow. And 
and some of the things when they come in and they're asking me, I'm a, I think it was a major at the time, and they're asking me, sir, we need some help. We need to get uh, a platform to where we don't, we're not on the ground where we can see from the sky uh, when we're calling in airstrikes. We need to be able to get on a helicopter. And at the time, the Air Force had a rule where you couldn't put somebody on an airplane if they weren't manifested on the aircraft. Now, the Army is different. Hmm. All you had to do was have a weapon, and you could get on any Army helicopter or any Army aircraft with no problem. Didn't okay. care. Um, but the Air Force didn't have anything that was really low and slow. Okay. Uh, we have the A-10, but you can't put anybody in A-10. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, UH-60s, but we don't have very many of them, and most of them are used for medevac and Air Force anyway. So what we did was um, we went to AMARC, and we found some of these push-pull um, Cessnas from oh Vietnam. Oh, And they had a... The power on the back and the power the front, on the front, right? and you could put two people in there with the with the pilot. Huh. So we made a proposal. We did, you know, we took all the analysis, got all the things stuff, put the package together. I went to Bahrain, uh, sat in front of a bunch of military officers, and made my proposal to get these guys what they needed. And at the meeting, it was shot down because they this the, the airplane wasn't. Um, it didn't meet the needs of for the mission of the Air Force at the time. Mm -hmm. But a year later, after I was walking down in the BX and looked at the Air Force Times, sure enough, they picked them up, they put them down there because they needed them. So That's awesome. What a story. That's really cool. All right, well then, going off that, what is, uh, what's something funny that you heard? Or well, that you saw? Something that was ridiculous. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so we're downrange, and there's a B-1 unit. And a crew chief did something that was totally inappropriate. Let's okay. just say that. Okay. And they put it on Facebook. Uh, everybody was cool with it until it hit Facebook. Huh. The minute somebody saw it on Facebook, General North fired everybody. Pay attention. We have an important lesson coming here. I can fired, sense. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook is the devil. <laughs> Social and, media in general, right? Um, listen, it, there's some good things about it. But as a squadron commander, you know how I busted most of my people? Social media? I go look at their social media accounts. Mm. I mean, what does that say about, you know, you got, you're representing the Air Force, so you got to definitely make sure. Right, but you, you don't understand that every, it, even if you block me from looking at it, if somebody I know sees it account, and sends it I to can you. see it. Mm -hmm. And, and anything that you don't want somebody to know, you better not put it on Facebook. Cause or, or any kind of social media, or Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Because your commanders are looking at that. We have uh, we have case studies and stuff like that all the time. We hear it all the time, and you know, apart from a security reason, you know, from just security, like you don't really want to put your stuff out there because you know we have a, we're a different. We're not just your normal citizen. We're we're going to be or training to be officers in the military. So apart from security, just uh, setting a good image for yourself, or not even going out and trying to set a good image but just like a lack of bad stuff is is good you know i mean you don't want to be get you don't want to get super political about stuff we had a case study yesterday like uh there's a sergeant in the unit somewhere what do you do he's on social media he's talking about about elected officials you know secretary of the air force things like that that well, is as always a, as a no go officer, it's even harder you, you will be prosecuted yes. for talking um Yes. Derogatory about the President of the United States. And you gotta remember something. It has nothing to do with the man. You you're gonna have commanders you don't like. Hundred percent. You still have to respect the, the, the position of authority and the rank. Yes. 
Same goes with the President of the United States. They don't care if you like him. You respect the office, not the man. He is our Commander-in-Chief, after all, right? So, right, right. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, make sure you got all your stuff on lock. Maybe some of y'all listening right now, like, oh, you know, go clear your stuff. You know, you, we want to be as low-key and, and secure as possible to make sure that no one's being looked at or, you know. You, I get, you know, you, you no, can get... Just live your life. Live your life as the best as you possibly can. If you know it's not right, then oh, don't, for do sure. it. Just don't do it. Definitely. That, that's the point. Definitely. I mean, there are people, one of the things that's not fair, and I agree that it's not fair, but there are people who are married in the United States Air Force, officer and enlisted, and they're married to somebody that's not in the Air Force, and they get a separation. Well, the person that's not married to the, not in the military can date. You cannot, as a military oh, member, because, until, you're until you're actually the paperwork's good. Right. Oh yeah, I mean, I, we've, I'm sure everyone's seen that kind of thing. I, yes, I've, I've had it. to kick people out because they've done it. That's terrible. So that's the kind of stuff that you uh, will just have to learn about and make sure you uh, keep track of. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. We hear it all the time, but it's never a bad thing to just kind of, especially the younger cadets who might not understand or might not have had any military background. Like you said, we don't have a lot of people who are you know, come from a military background, and it is very important to, you know, keep a low profile and all that good stuff. Uh, all right. I know you live, obviously we all live locally or close. Is that, did that have anything to do with you coming to Art Attachment, or what did, what did you, what brought you over here? What did, what um, made you think, hey, I'm retired, I did, you know, so many years enlisted, so many years officer, and now you're like, shoot, I want to kind of get back into it as much as I can. Well, I had a friend who called me up who said that there was a detachment down in San Angelo that um, one of their people, one of the contractors had gotten another job and it was leaving, and they needed somebody to fill it, and if I would do it for them. So I said, yeah. So I got in, tar- or, uh, tar- in charge of the company that has the contract, and I did that for a while. Uh, my first semester was down there, and then when this job opened up, they, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do it, so I put in an application and I got it. And yeah, I, I like being around cadets. I enjoy it. I, I think there's some things that I can offer to cadets, um, good and bad, and, and and you can learn from both. For sure. Um, I think that uh, you know the evolution of the Air Force is ever changing, but it's set, it goes in a circle. Hmm. And things that you're doing right now, we've already done before. Well, what do you mean by that? Elaborate on that. There's just, okay, um, prime example. There used to be four different groups, okay, in the, in the rank structure. It used to be a logistics group, there used to be an ops, mm-hmm. mission support, and, and med. Well, I think we're going to go back to that. Okay. Actually. I think that's coming back. Okay. Um, and I think the reason it's going to come back is there are officers in the supply career field and log plans transportation who are left out of the mix mm. when my career field when I first came in as a lieutenant you were a 21 alpha until you were a major then once you hit major you had to go to this class and you become a 21 L which was a low decision mm. and you had to do a tour as a supply a transporter and as a log planner in order to get that L wow Talk about so, right around it that's crazy um, the reason there's a maintenance group <laughs> is a political one. Mm-hmm. Um, General Jumper at the time, uh, he was the chief of staff of the Air Force, and his daughter was commissioned as a 21 Alpha. So in order to give a better career path to his daughter, he created a maintenance group. 
Wow. So, yeah, so that's one thing that people don't realize. Like, the military changes so much. Like, there's procedures and, or, and uh, organizational or the way that we organize our groups that, like, stuff changes, man. You know, like, people don't uh, – how you say people don't realize like we had uh sergeant leibold here we had captain people here i was just thinking about that yesterday and we just kind of you know that's just how the military is people move and people come and go and you know if you've only been here for or just i've been here for four years and just four years man like before that i can't even imagine uh the things that i missed out on or the way that we did certain things beforehand and it's just interesting to me how everything well, changes well i'm just going to tell you when we were when it was under when we worked for ops on the flight line it worked so much better. And the reason it worked better is because we had a direct line to the ops group commander and we had a direct line to the ops group um, squadron commander. When you, when you work for two different bosses, which is what, what happens, actually three or four different bosses, now I have to make sure that the maintenance group commander is happy. I have mm. to make sure that my maintenance squadron commander is happy. And in the same breath, I have to make sure that the ops group squadron commander and the ops group commander are happy. So I'm having to, to, to make four people happy in one job as the maintenance operations officer in the, on the, on the flight line. And then that's probably taken away from your flight line. It's you know, terrible. You, you it's, yeah. it's difficult. It was so much easier when I only had half as many people that I had to make happy. And that just goes straight back to what I was talking. We were talking about with the essay I wrote, and with what you were telling me. You know, you gotta. Uh, it's. I think nothing bad ever ha comes from taking advice, or not advice, but taking procedural or information from the lower people who are actually the day-to-day -day boots on the ground, experiencing what's happening. Hey, we need to continue to ask them how they feel and what works and what doesn't work. So. Right, and I, I and I, I, the biggest piece of advice I can give for people that are going on active duty this summer is um, if you apply the KISS principle to everything, you're going to be fine. Don't overcomplicate stuff. If Definitely. you try to start overcomplicating things, it's not only going to make it worse for you, it's going to make it worse for the people that work for you. So try to keep it as simple and as easy as possible. I see that a lot with some people at our detachment like who are really good at planning things. Like mm -hmm. I... Uh, I don't consider myself a good like event planner per se, but there's some people who crush it. Like, you know, people we had camp uh, or was it last year? What do we call it? Beast last year, like a pantize team. And I was a part of that team for, you know, just a lower level. Let's get this little part of the thing done. And that event was awesome and we crushed it, but we kept it simple. You know, there wasn't anything super right. complicated. And, and it worked. Exactly. It worked really well. Exactly. I was there. I thought it went very well. There's some things you can always improve on, but you know what? That's with everything. There's always going to be something. There's was, always going to be something that someone has a problem with right. or someone and, wants and to fix. I, I was deployed once. Okay, well, one of my deployments, I worked for a full-board colonel, Teresa Dix. She was a very hard person to work for, very difficult. But she told, she gave me some, a piece of advice that I didn't understand at the time, but when I got higher up in the ranks, I understood it. She told me, she said, Steve, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be done. And I, I didn't understand it at the time. I thought, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Of course it has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm for maintenance. It has to be exactly Easy. right. Okay. No, I understood what she was talking about. She gotcha. said, you can't give everything that you're in charge of 100% of your attention. You've got yes. to be able to balance it all, and you've got to be able to complete it all. But everything doesn't have to be perfect. Colonel Hoffman, he says the same thing. He, he says, uh, choose what... Uh, Choose what rock you're going to pick up and carry down the field. You know, you sure. can't choose all your rocks. You can't. You can't, you can't carry them all. Exactly. That's absolutely right. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome.
That's good. Yeah, that's good advice for sure. And that can you can apply that as a 100, you know, that, anything, like, 200, the, 300, the biggest, anything. The biggest thing I tell my 100s is low-hanging fruit. Always do your low-hanging fruit first. The 50-meter target. That's right. <laughs> that's a, that's the army. you're going to be able to hit that one. So <laughs> get that one done. Awesome. All right, we got some more questions here coming in. Let's see. That's a good one. Okay, here. What's uh, one overarching principle or piece of advice for people specifically who are about to commission? As far as as far as what career wise, as far as what? Yeah, just like nothing specific in terms of the job. Like you're about to go something that you could apply. I mean, I know the the one you the what you were getting at earlier with the don't. I know one that I always hear and that is very important is don't think you know more than the the E five or the staff sergeant or the whoever's right. there. I, 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 if you're gonna go on. Uh, you know, make sure that you do the best you possibly can when you're in your uh, tech school. Okay, uh, try to come out there. You know, you don't have to be the DG, but come out there knowing what you're doing. Um, when you get to your first uh, assignment, if you're not a pilot, because pilots don't have many of them, but um, if you're not a pilot, find the senior master sergeant or the chief in that unit and stick to him like glue and learn as get much, as much as information. Got you. And then, so this all this goes straight into what you're saying. Correct me if, if you disagree, but I think attitude is huge. Like I've personally worked on my attitude a lot over the winter break, and I came back to ROTC, and like I feel like it's just so much better. I try to find the positive in everything. When something doesn't go my way, I don't openly complain about it or whatever. I mean, do you think attitude has a big, big... Absolutely, and if you go in and you're a sponge and you ask questions, don't dictate and try to point and, and do mm-hmm. as I do, um, you're going to get a lot more from it, uh, and they're going to care about you. If you are the person that thinks they know more than you, they're going to let you hang. Gotcha. And they're going to let you hang yourself. They're not going to do it. They're going to let you do it to yourself. Gotcha. Um, you get, if you're in a meeting, especially if you're a maintenance officer, and you feel somebody kicking you in the back of the chair, <laughs> shut up. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's good advice for sure. Don't think you know everything. But be glad that there's somebody kicking you. Helping you out, you right? Sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, knowing to yeah, knowing to keep stay quiet, knowing to give input, things like that, definitely, definitely. Important. And help your per, help your fellow lieutenants out. That's another thing. If you see a, your lieutenant is drowning, and you can help them, help them. For sure, that that um, should. It's you know that's something that I I try to help as much as I can, and I would I know a lot of my wingmen do, but you know some people might be scared to help. Or, you know, might be worried, but like, yeah, you got to help people out. You can definitely, there's ways to go about, you know, mm-hmm. helping people out with anything. And, and it's real selfish to not help your teammates mm-hmm. out and your classmates out. And be a member of CGOC. That's another thing. What's that? Elaborate. The Coming Great Officer Council. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I know probably a lot of people on Air Force or ROTC don't know what that is. Could you give us like a little? It's a, it's where all the company great officers get together on a Friday. Usually have uh, a beverage. Oh, okay, like and, officer and club. Talk, and they talk about what they're, what's going on with them in their weeks, and they try to solve problems and, and, and those things. And they okay. usually have crud tournaments and, and that kind of stuff too. But nice. it's a, it's a, it's a nice um, way not only to uh, network with people, but it's a nice way to okay. impress for the weekend. Nice, awesome. That's good. Like-minded people, military, super diverse. You're gonna have people from all over the place hang out with John from Alabama and hang out with, you know, Brittany from Washington State. That's really cool, but definitely. Okay, um, this kind of goes back to your talking about how you didn't want to go to school. So um, how did you imagine the military before you joined? So it sounds like you were like, I don't want to go to school. There's not school in the military. Uh, I I really believe that 
that what did I would you be think? a jet engine mechanic the entire time I would be in okay. the Air Force. And then once I went, once they taught me how to be a jet engine mechanic, there would be no school. Oh, okay. It yeah. would just be, I would be a jet engine mechanic, and that's not the case. There's always places There's, to go, well, always yeah, schools. Yeah, for me, it was NCO prep. Then after NCO prep, you have to go to NCO leadership school, and then you have to go to senior NCO leadership school. And when you're an officer, there's more of the same. You mm -hmm. have to go to, you know, uh, SOS, and then you have to go to uh, Air Command Staff College, and then you have to go to Air Force College. It's a consistent. You're going to school consistently. So going off that, um, it's. I mean, obviously, you enjoyed the military. You did it for so long, but uh, so. Did it live up to your expectations, or how? It, you, like, it was better than what it I was better than what you thought. And, and what I thought was great was when I look. I did not know how to study. I, nobody ever no, taught me how to. A study. lot of people don't know how to study. In school when I was in, um, you know, high school all the way through high school. Nobody taught me how to study. When I got to tech school, um, there was a they put us in groups, mm -hmm. and they taught us not just the material. They taught us how to study the material. And it was an eye opener for me. That's awesome. And school became something different at that point. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I thought, wow, I'm not okay. So I'm not supposed to memorize this book. That uh, you know, that at that point, that's what I was thought studying was exactly. memorize all the material. No, they showed us how to do it, and from that day on, it was like an eye opener. And I started enjoying school because yeah, it wasn't sure. a it wasn't a task at that point. I was actually learning something. And I was enjoying it. It was like oh, exactly pick out the stuff I need to know. You know, you know that kind of thing, and, and it was great. It was an eye opener. And I and, yeah. And, and where you well, one of the other things is the discipline. I did not have much discipline mm -hmm. when I was growing up in high school. And nothing. That. I had long hair. I was it was I was in <laughs> trouble a lot. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and when I got into the military, it showed. And I had structure. I had places I knew I had to be. Uh, I had people relying on me. And it, it taught me to do those things. And, Definitely. Uh, and I didn't really learn that until Sergeant, Master Sergeant Wilkins taught me that, look, it's not about you. It's about it's about the big picture, and it's about the people that's on your left and to, on your right. And if, when you disappoint them, you can disappoint me all you want, but if you disappoint that person on your left and that right, you should be ashamed of yourself. And when I learned that, I, 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 I thrived. And I'm sure, well, going along with the studying and school and learning, it's a lot easier to learn and study something that you enjoy and that you're yeah. interested in yeah. and that you do good in. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, obviously, you found your niche and everything, so that's good. But um, yeah, I'm glad it worked out for you. That's good. That's something that I didn't really realize. You know, in high school, they make you learn, you know, everywhere, all the states. You got to do math, you got to do a science class, you got to do a written class. And I don't think I ever knew anyone who liked all of it, you know? There's there's pe there's math people there's writing people when I when we got my FLKT scores back you're like whoa you know you're verbal what and I was like yeah I mean I I just I like talking more so make make sure you understand like what you're good at and what you're not good at and just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you're not gonna be good at it you just gotta just learn how to study it. or talk That's to right. someone just who knows about it, it. find sure. somebody who's done it and pick their brain you don't have to reinvent the wheel definitely and find someone who enjoys it just like the same way you said find someone who uh, you know you can relate to right and if you find if you find something that you enjoy that you're doing you never have to work a day in your life that's it we've all heard that and uh i definitely have seen people who really enjoy their jobs in the military and it's really nice to see that and it just it benefits everyone around them cool all right uh what else do we got here We got your deployments. Okay, what was the most, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, 
not important that you felt in the military, but like what was the most patriotic? Like, wow, like I'm really glad I did this. I'm really glad I'm doing this. I, I'm glad I helped this person or I'm glad that I'm, I'm supporting the, our country. Like what was a, wow, that was, that was nice mm, moment. That's tough. Um, one of the things I think was when we were, uh, I was a squadron commander at the time in Ellsworth. Where's that at? Uh, South Dakota. Oh, wow. South Dakota. Okay. Uh, B-1 unit. Understood. Um, I had just come off of being the maintenance operations officer in AMXS. Um, I had gotten the MC rates from 0% to 54%. And there was a tasker that came down. Uh, and it was about um, launching some airplanes uh, against Saddam, not Saddam, but in Libya, Gaddafi. Oh, wow. Um, and the original tasker had gone to Dias, and Dias had to turn down because they didn't have any airplanes, and they were in the middle of an exercise and they didn't want to do it, so it came to us. Huh. And at the time, uh, AMXS was showing that we had no airplanes. Okay, so the colonel came to me and said, "See, what are we going to do about this? I want to take this. You know, we want to do this mission." I said, "You got airplanes?" And he said, "Well, how?" I said, I, "When I was on the flight line." We had a program between me and the Pro Super where we had two airplanes that were ready to go every Friday because we didn't want to work weekends. And was that something that you created? Nice. Okay. And he goes, so we have two airplanes? I said, yeah, we have two airplanes. So basically. How do you know? I said, watch. Pro Super? Pro Super says, can you bring those two airplanes up that we have set aside for for, uh, weekend duty? He goes, yeah, they're ready. I said, okay. So there's your airplanes. So we launched them and they went off and did them. Bombing raid wow. and came back. It's the first time that we ever launched uh, bombers from the continental United States, struck in in uh, uh, Middle East, and then hadn't come back. Wow! So th- and that was just something that you had come up like a program, for lack of a better word, that you had. I, I come- didn't come up with it because of the for that. I came up with it because I got my kids were tired of working exactly on the weekend. exactly. So in order to do that, I was technically it was wrong because I was hip pocketing jets. Keeping them away from, from ops so they couldn't break them during the week, but we never had to work another weekend when I was in the movie. There you go. That's awesome. And and it ended up leading to something great. So, a yep. first. So, that's great. All right. Cool. We got, let's see, I think we got time for one more question. Kadeo Kata, you got any more from uh, the chat? What are what about okay so to wrap it up what are some landmarks of your career that you remember the most like what was like oh wow I'm really I made it to this level holy cow or like uh, uh, getting my commission first was, okay was a that's huge, huge. that's um, huge I was you know it took me a long time to make staff um, okay it, it, and it was difficult for me to make staff okay uh, and then I thought it was kind of crazy that it took me you know as long as it did to make staff and then two years I could be I could jump that many ranks. Um, and for me, uh, I was a underachiever. I was an overachieving underachiever. Um, I get what you're saying. <laughs> it, 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 you know, if it was hard, I didn't care. I, I still tried it. Huh. Um, and that's Good. one of the things I think, uh, you know, perseverance uh, outweighs intelligence in some cases. And I think in my case, it did. It was like that. Uh, I wasn't going to be told no. Nice. Uh, and I found a way to do it, and I did it. That's good. And when I got it, I was really proud of myself. That's awesome. Yeah, we all know how that I feels. Because I had a lot of people telling me I could. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah, so that's good. That's a good message to And then being a squatter commander, getting selected for squatter commander twice was pretty cool, too. So twice, do you mean, say, you got it for one job specifically, and then you did your time or whatever, and then you got picked for another job? Or what was that? What was the first job and second job? What I was, was a, twi- I was a, a bomber, uh, MOS squadron commander, and okay. then I was uh, A-10's um, CMS commander. And that was ma- that was all maintenance chain? All maintenance. So you, okay, so you can, as a maintenance officer, you can be in charge of specific airframes? Um, you're, it's the airframes that you are on right, at that particular base. So it doesn't matter. And that's another thing. If there's an airplane there, there's maintenance there. Uh, of course. So there, there's so many different places that you can go to as a maintainer. Oh, that's got to be almost it's, everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's anywhere. If there's an airplane, you can go there. That's pretty cool. If you want to go, if you really want to travel or you have a three or four bases that you think you have to be at, obviously don't get your hopes up too much. You go wherever the Air Force needs you, but uh, maintenance, that sounds pretty good. I didn't think about it like that. That's that's a job that needs that they need everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And nice. it's not it's not like pilots. I mean, pilots can jump from airframe to airframe, but they usually don't. They usually stick. You know, B-1 guys mm-hmm. usually stick to B-1s. F-15 guys usually stick to 15s and 60s. Maintainers are not like that. Mm-hmm. We can go to any airplane. It's, it's kind of difficult Especially for right for the enlisted guys that are actually working the airplanes, because they got to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. They got to start on CDCs again. They got to learn that airplane. Got to learn all the little tips and tricks yep. and the things that they don't tell you yep. and things like that. Yep. What was the uh, what was your favorite one to be in charge airframe to be in charge of? F-16s were the most fun to work. Why is that? They're just easy airplanes. They're, they don't when they don't break as hard. Huh. They're easier to work on. The way that they're the GEM motors are better than Pratt and Whitney motors. Even huh. though I'm a Pratt and Whitney guy. But they're easier. They're the way that they're designed. Oh wow! Split cases. They don't have to. They're not modular. You don't have to take them apart like this way. They take apart this way. Um, so oh. you can get to the turbines and you get to the internals without having to take the entire. Uh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Way. So it's kind of like a normal car engine. You can take the head off and kind of yeah, get in there yeah, instead of it's, taking it's part like out. Part it's open up like a case this way instead of having to open it up. Huh. Way. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. F-16s are yeah, those are great planes. That's really cool. And very, they have different missions depending on what uh, airframe they're at, and they're, they're, they're good airframes. That's, that's something you don't. That's something you don't hear every day. That's really cool. That's the, one of the, the only thing I don't like about it is if I was a pilot, I wouldn't want to fly it because the only guy has one engine. Hmm. <laughs> that's true. I'd rather, I'd rather fly an F-15. That's a good point. Got, you got two shots. That's a good point. Well, that's that's the kind of thing you don't hear every day. That's really cool to hear that like wisdom and knowledge about um, something so cool that so many people look up to, and you know, F-16. You know, holy cow. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, thanks for coming back to the podcast. For everyone who watched it, we had uh, Mr. Haynes on. We know you guys wanted to hear more from um, Cadre and staff. And stay tuned because we have some more active duty officers and other people coming in next week. Um, So stick around for that, and we'll keep promoting it. We're going to keep improving the podcast. Thank you again uh, to Mr. Haynes for coming out. I think we had a great conversation. It's always good to talk to you and get some of that wisdom from you. Good. And with that, we'll uh, wrap it up. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, sir.